Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. For a radio audience here in Mississippi, WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, those joining us for online affiliates around the world, we're glad that you all could join us as well. When I mention Disney or Disneyland, of course, you may think about excitement. You also may think about history. But there are some little-known stories I think a lot of us are just now discovering, including one that I found out about in a brand-new book. It's written by journalist Greg Glass. Pascal and Catherine Mayer. The book is called Disneyland on the Mountain, Walt the Environmentalist and the Ski Result that Never Was. When talk to Greg and Catherine not only about this book, but also what it was like for them to find out about this history, some of the things I think a lot of us are finding timely today when it comes to our impact on the environment and business, but also what they hope you as readers are able to take away from it as well. Greg, Catherine, thank you so much for the time today. Really appreciate it. Hi, Cyrus. Thanks so much for having us. We're so excited to talk with you. Oh, look, the the pleasure is definitely all mine. I, I was really excited about this book. I mean, Disneyland has been in the news a lot recently, uh, but not for the reason of your book, though. But we, we definitely want our, our, our audience to know about this book and have it be a part of the conversation because I think it's such an interesting thing to look at the history of individuals like Walt Disney who have been so impactful. So, Catherine, I want to start with you. What has it been like for you to see the initial response to Disneyland on the Mountain? Yeah, I, we're so excited about it and, and really excited, like you said, for people to find out about this. So, you know, we've been kind of hearing a little bit of a little bit of excitement about people just, again, for the first time, really finding out about this story. So we're really thrilled for people to kind of start the conversation and, and realize kind of how big of an impact this, this was. And, and you were saying that you, you know, this is the first time that you had heard about this. Obviously, we hadn't really heard about this for um, up until, uh, you know, several years ago when we first started to kind of dig into this topic. And we were shocked to find out just, you know, A, how long this battle was. And, and you know, we're talking about the span of 18 or so years from the beginnings of it in 1960 and up until the late 70s. So, um, yeah, we're we're really excited for people to to find out about this, and um, we're we're really excited to find out what what people think and kind of whose side they're on as well. Yeah, yeah, Greg, I want to ask you. I mean, there is a lot of history in this book, and that's one of the things I did not expect. But I love history, so I was I was here for it uh, when it, you know I, I know uh, Catherine mentioned the course. You know, going back some time, even I mean, even before that, being able to kind of share the history, of course, of what was happening uh, with Disney and, of course, um, with the plans that they were making. What was that like for you, Greg, to be able to to kind of go back and research that history, and maybe even make some new discoveries yourself? It was so interesting to us. It was something that, you know, it's been mentioned a little bit here and there in some biographies, but um, really going back and putting together the whole story, this kind of all started when we went to the Disney Family Museum in 2018 and saw just a brief mention on the timeline of Walt's life, uh, this item about the ski resort that he was looking to build in California in the 60s, which we had certainly never heard of, and it turned out just coincidentally that his partner on the project was a guy named Willie Schaeffler, who we knew of because he was the ski coach here at the University of Denver. 
which is where Catherine went to school, and we actually met working there. So that kind of got us so interested in this little-known fact and going back and starting to research it and realizing there was a whole environmental side to this battle. This went all the way to the Supreme Court. Um, it really, you know, that's when we thought, hey, this could be, should be a book. So that's, But it was fascinating to, to research it and find out everything that we did. Yeah, and to that point, Catherine, I think uh, I had mentioned to the two of you uh, before we went live here, even going back and tracking back history to the 1930s, dealing with the Sierra Club, you know, I had I'd heard about the Sierra Club, uh, but I did not know their their history as much as well as their connection to environmental issues. So I want to ask you, what was that component like for you to discover? Because, again, uh, I, I think these it is such a timely topic because of the conversations we're having today, but what was it like for you to see, even back then, the role that Sierra Club and others were having when it comes to wanting to protect the environment? Exactly. It's it's so pivotal, and it was the Sierra Club was actually founded by John Muir, who was a famous you know famous environmentalist. So that was really interesting, and also to see the growth of the Sierra Club. You know, they kind of started out um, at the beginning. They were interested in in kind of getting groups together and going hiking and and fishing and things like that, and then um, you know as time went on, as the decades went on, we saw them got get really involved in, you know, certain things like opposition and grassroots activism and things like that. And and the Disney development was certainly kind of ripe for some of that, um, some of that activism. Um, You know, they certainly didn't want this area that they really, really enjoyed and they thought was so special. They really didn't want it developed but the Sierra Club has just been incredible as far as you know what they've really done for environmentalism and you know this story in particular this Disney story has been has been really important because this was one of kind of the first times and but maybe not one of the first times but certainly one of the first times that it was so in the news and just really monumental and really important that they really didn't want um, a development, you know, this was something, it was really at the time where people were starting to think about, we really need to keep some of these areas natural and, you know, not have these kind of whirling machinery and, and things like that around. And so the Sierra Club has just been, um, it's just been so vital. Um, yeah. They've been so vital for, for this movement that we've seen. Such a great point. And Greg, I want to ask you about something that, Catherine, you both um, know about, and that is the world of journalism. The press is a big part of this story as well, Uh, especially as we get to the 1970s and think about, like, individuals like Card Walker and how he, you know, wanted to use the press to be able to kind of help to turn the page on the narrative, which I thought was really interesting. You don't think about Yes, because they did have the things we have today, of course. But what was it like for you to see the role that the media and the press kind of played in this as well, Greg? It was interesting to see because, you know, at the beginning, the press was really gaga for this idea. There's a lot of excitement. Oh, Disney's coming to California, you know, for the ski resort. They're going to build this great thing. People were so excited. But then you almost kind of see mirroring what was happening with the environmental movement. You start to see the press get a little more skeptical and there it even reached the New York Times at one point who published this editorial that said, you know, asking President Johnson actually to issue an executive order to stop this thing. So 
And then, yes, in the 70s, sort of after there was a big legal battle and everything else, yeah, then Card Walker, who was then one of the leaders of Disney, actually took out a full-page ad in several California papers saying, you know, we still want to build this thing. People don't understand what we're trying to do. This is what Walt Disney said he wanted it to be. Sort of, we need your support, people of California. We need you to get behind this and sort of help us get it built and show why you want it. So, yeah, it was very interesting to see how much of this played out in the press. And so much of our research was newspapers and looking at, you know, thousands, honestly, of newspaper articles. And you could really sort of chart the the change in public opinion by what was being written in the papers. And, and Catherine, to that point, I think one of the things that comes through in the way that you all, and it's alluded to, of course, I'm not spoiling it for anyone, in the subtitle of the book, but there's that one line that you all wrote uh, in the book that I think is it is so powerful, and that is, their plans for Mineral King, the land Walt had called the most beautiful spot he had ever seen, would never come to fruition. So much had gone on. What was it like for you to see how how things played out? I mean, at the end, what was that like for you, Catherine, to discover as you were doing the research? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was kind of heartbreaking almost on on both sides because we, you know, the goal for us was to really tell both sides of the story. And in, in our book, we kind of switched point of views really from talking from the Disney side and then talking from the environmental side. And we really wanted people to understand and have sympathy and understanding for for both sides of the story and what they wanted and what they desired for this area and then to kind of find out what happened i mean i think we we had sympathy for both sides so so for seeing this happen you know when the sierra club um for instance had lost one of the the lawsuits we're kind of like oh that's kind of you know we kind of felt sad for them and then it didn't happen for for disney we felt sad for them too so um but no it was just it was just so interesting because again you have you have understanding for both sides both sides of the story and it was just amazing it was really amazing Mm -hmm. how long this happened i mean there's you know for people who are interested and we're so excited for them to read the book and to understand exactly what what happened but, you know, Disney tried to compromise. They scaled down the resort. They tried to talk to environmentalists. There was activism. There was there was protests. There was just so yeah. much that happened, and it was really incredible. Greg, is that part of the timeliness, do you think, of this? Why a book like this that does span what people will consider in some respects a quote-unquote long time ago? It is so relevant today for that very reason that Catherine just mentioned because we see the very same thing happening today. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is relevant, and it, you know, it's interesting to see kind of the seeds back then of what was considered, you know, maybe not groundbreaking, but it was a, it was sort of a shift in legal thinking. There was really, at that point, you know, legally at least, people had to show an environmental case like the Sierra Club trying to shut down the Disney development. They they needed to show in the court how they would be personally affected by this development, which they sort of deliberately didn't do in their initial lawsuit because they wanted to see if they could file a case that would be based purely on the aesthetic beauty of the area, which now that's a lot more common, but back then that was different. Even though 
they lost the Supreme Court case, there was a couple of very famous dissents in that case that sort of hinted at that direction. So that really, you know, started to change the opinion of the courts, the opinion of the people. And there was at the same time this was all happening, another national law was passed called, you know, the National Environmental Policy Act. And that's the law that requires the government when they're building big projects like this to conduct these environmental impact statements and really start to document um, how these projects will affect the environment. So a lot of the things that are so encoded today that we take for granted really were, were born at that time and partially out yeah. of this battle. Such a great thing. Catherine, what is your hope when people read the book, Disneyland on the Mountain? What do you hope they take away from it, other than, of course, the incredible reporting you guys were able to do in, in writing it? But what do you hope they kind of or or kind of left with at the end? I think for us, I mean, part of it is certainly to understand what an interesting piece of history this was and, and how important yeah. it was for a lot of different sides. Like we said, of course, the environmental side, the Disney side, skiing, recreation. I mean, it's, it's had a lot of impact. And we even had a whole chapter in at the end of the book kind of talking about what the influences has been on those industries and, and the company and the movement um, after after this, this happened because it is, you know, it wasn't just this piece of this piece of history that that happened and didn't really matter it actually mattered quite a bit so we you know we just are interested we just want people to understand how monumental it was and and certainly come away also with with a deeper understanding of the impact of the environmental movement and of the time and how significant it was because that was something certainly interesting interesting for us and and we hope that that readers come away with that information as well and are, and are fascinated by it as much as, um, you know, it fascinated us. Yeah, it is a great book, and really congratulations to the two of you. Again, everyone, Greg Glasgow and Catherine Mayer have been our guests. The book is Disneyland on the Mountain, Walt the Environmentalist, and the Ski Resort That Never Was. <laughs> Definitely worth your read and also discussion. I appreciate the two of you being on today. Greg, how can our audience be able to stay connected with you and, and find out more information? Uh, the best way to do it is just to go to our website. It's DisneylandOnTheMountain.com, and there you'll find links to our various social media handles. Uh, there's some bios about us, and there's a contact form as well. So, you know, we would love for people to get in touch with us, let us know their thoughts. I mean, this is certainly hopefully the beginning of a, a bigger conversation about these issues. Love it. Well, thanks to the two of you. Really appreciate you stopping by and looking forward to speaking with you again. Thanks so much, Cyrus. This Thank was great. Thank you. So and more than welcome. Thank you. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Let us go make today amazing. Take care. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.